and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is a legendary William Sadler. Now, Bill has done it all in this industry. Some of his best-known roles include Colonel Stewart in Die Hard 2, playing Death in the Bill and Ted sequels, and of course, Haywood in The Shawshank Redemption. And on TV, he starred in the very first episode of HBO's Tales from the Crypt. That show had a lot of big names working on it. Frank Darabont, who of course we all know from Shawshank, Green Mile, Mist, Joel Silver, Richard Donner, Robert Zemeckis. So that role in the first episode really catapulted Bill's career. And on TV, he portrayed Sloan on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, was Roswell, so many other amazing shows. And one of my favorites, he played Darren Tyler in Wonderfalls. Show only lasted four episodes. For the rest of the series you can find on TVD, I could have spoke to Bill for hours. Such a great guy. He's from Buffalo, so we had a little bit of a connection there as well. I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. So, Bill, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It's great to be with you, No. Yeah, so I know, like, you know, everyone has a different uh, pandemic story, how to keep busy. And I saw some of the things that you were doing called the kitchen tapes. And I, I really found those you know, fascinating. You answered you know, questions from fans about certain roles. You came up with certain songs. So I'm going to start with one song in particular. I think yeah. you probably know where I'm going to go here. Uh, the Dildo that- song. <laughs> ah. Yeah. That was a... <laughs> that's a... That's a story. Actually, Frank Zappa inspired that song. I was... Uh, when I was doing Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, I met weasel and moon unit and they were they were interviewing me for mtv and at the end of the interview they said uh you know um i said well i i, I said well say hi to your dad for me because i'm a huge fan and right. they said well actually he's a big fan of yours too and i was like you're kidding me it's frank zappa knows who i am right and they said yeah would you like to come to dinner Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up, uh, I ended up, my wife and my, our little girl, we ended up going up there and having dinner with Gail and Ahmed and, and all of them and Frank. And the conversation just happened to turn to this article. He, he pointed to this article uh, about a law that they had passed in Phoenix, Arizona, or they were debating it. I don't know whether they passed it, actually passed it or not, but it, the law, they were very concerned with the number of dildos that you could possess at any one time. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, oh my goodness, these people need a song. That's yeah. uh, so I, and I'd been writing, I've been writing songs my whole life. So I wrote the, the Arizona way, yeah. <laughs> um, which you can, you can, if you check out William Sadler, the kitchen tapes, it's on there. Um, yeah, but I just thought it was ridi- such a ridiculous thing to, you know, the, the, the state legislature actually debated this, actually yeah. not, not how to feed the homeless, not, right. not how to care for elderly, mm-hmm. not how to, not crime, not, none of the problems yeah. that they actually have. Right. The one they were focused on was how many dildos you could own before you were a dildo dealer yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> so, I, so i wrote a song a yeah. satirical song. yeah no it's 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 very it's very comical but i mean like i guess four is okay you can have four and not be i guess yeah, exactly well that was but the whole five thing. It was, it was like whoa 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 no i exactly yeah. it was like what the what are you talking about yeah what are you talking about with whose business is it of yours anyway yeah you know on this trying to legislate people's morality or some or sexual preferences or get the fuck out of my bedroom man get just you know go solve your own problems yeah anyway yeah there you go right I mean, check it out. It's on uh, Bill's YouTube uh, channel. It's, it's very funny. Along with, uh, uh, others, you know, kitchen tapes and stuff. How um, how did that whole idea come about, about doing the kitchen tapes? I was stuck at home and, uh, you know, they, I, I had been shooting the movie The Unholy in near Boston and Nedick, um, 
Needick, Needick, no, Needick, Massachusetts. And it was going great. And then, and I, but I could drive back and forth. And I came home for the weekend. And on Sunday night, I was about to drive back to the shoot. And they called and said, we're shutting down because of the, the pandemic. I guess two, two or three of the people on the set came down with it. And, and then everything got shut down. There was no, we, we weren't going to shoot and SAG wasn't going to let us shoot until they put in place all of these, um, you know, safeguards, the testing procedures and, um, um, which they did, you know, the Screen Actors Guild put in, insisted that if you're going to, if you're going to bring people back to film and those people, <laughs> the only people on the set that can't wear a mask are the actors, right. then you're going to do it this way. You're going to test everybody every day. You know, everybody who comes near them has to be tested every day and masks are mandatory and you know, you take them off to eat. That's it. Um, and it's the only way that it felt safe. Oh, they did all kinds of things. They, they rented a, a whole floor in a hotel where we were going to stay. And no one else, no one but the crew, cast and crew could stay on this floor. The maids wouldn't come and change the sheets unless you specifically ask them to. Right. Um, you know, it was just, you know, all of these, uh, all of these new rules for the pandemic, which allowed us to go back finally in September and October and finish the movie. Um, and that was, you know, that was 2020. Um, and those, those protocols are still in place. So it's, so it's the safest place you can be as an actor is on these on these movie sets. Um, and I, and like I said, I go to the, uh, you know, the ones that I can drive to because yeah. I don't want to, I'm, I'm still not, I'm not feeling safe getting on planes um, or, you know, car, take the, take the car to the airport right. with some guy who's been in a car with everybody in New York. You know, I just, um, I have some underlying condition issues, so I don't make any antibodies. Right. What was it difficult the first time going on set? I mean, even though they had all those protocols in place, just for your own peace of mind. Yeah. Well, it was it, it was good to get back to work. Right. It was good to, you know, it was good to finally, you know, get back and be creative. Um, yeah, I guess. At the beginning of the pandemic, when nobody knew anything, I mean, we didn't, there was, there was so much unknown about how it spreads and, you know, people are wiping down their groceries and, um, you know, stockpiling toilet paper. Um, there was a lot, there was a lot of misinformation and panic. Um, so it was, but it was good by, you know, by September, October, people sort of had a handle on well, we can do this safely, you know. Um, they still didn't have a vaccine. So that was still months and months away. But anyway, yeah, so I can, I, the kitchen tapes came about because I was stuck at home. I had, I've written songs all my life and I thought, well, if I don't, <laughs> I should, I should start sharing them or else they're all going to die with me. Um, you know, so, um, so I did, someone suggested, why don't you tell stories, you know, behind the scenes, what happened on yeah. this movie and what happened on that show. And, uh, so I did. Yeah. No, I watched a bunch of them. They're really good. I recommend everyone to, uh, to watch them. They're great. Thank you. Like, yeah. When did like kind of your love affair of acting start? Oh my goodness. I get, I did the, my first my fir the first time I set foot on stage as an actor was in high school, my senior year in high school. And it was uh, Harvey was the play. I played Elwood P. Dowd. And uh, the English teacher, 
my English teacher, Dan Larkin, had seen me. I had I was in a garage band. I was in a folk band. Um, I had worked up a comedy routine. I was playing the banjo and telling jokes as Banjo Bill Sadler around <laughs> around Buffalo. I was hiring myself out to tell to do comedy. Right. And uh, I thought that's maybe that's what I wanted to do. And this English teacher said, why don't you come on, come on audition for this uh, play? And I did. And, and I loved it. And then he said, you know, they're doing one um, at the, in Amherst, at the Amherst Players. They're doing The Subject Was Roses, which was a Frank Gilroy play, Pulitzer Prize winning drama for three people. And I was 17, 18 at the time. And uh, I was that play more than anything else just sealed the deal. I was, I was, I learned so much. I was, uh, I, I had no idea that, that that kind of drama existed, you know, that, and I was good at it. I was sort of came to it. I tried it and I was, <laughs> It sounds immodest, but I was pretty good at it just naturally, right. even without studying it. Or I was, I was good at this make-believe thing, putting myself in the shoes of someone else and feeling what they were feeling. And the feelings just came, you know, it was. Uh, and the director of that play, his name was Bob Schultz, said, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Uh, you know, yeah. And I said, "Well, I got accepted at Buff State. I'm going to go study industrial arts <laughs> and be a shop teacher." Right. And and because uh, my brother had done that, and I don't know. I had lousy grades in school, and I and I was trying to stay out of the Vietnam War, and I was just exactly the right age, and the war was going gangbusters in '68, and. Uh, he said, let me, uh, let me make a phone call. And he, he called the head of the drama department at Geneseo, Alice Austin. And he told her, I got this kid. And I think he should, I think he should come be part of your drama department. And so he drove me to Geneseo and introduced me to her right. and so on. And I, I applied and boom, boom, boom. I ended up spending four years and three summers there. <laughs> Uh, I, it's like I went to Geneseo and never came home. I went to Geneseo the day that I graduated from high school. Oh, wow. I went there the summer before my freshman year to prove to them that I could do the work, the college level. But I had to take an English course and a psych course or something. Um, but that was... Anyway... I, that's that really launched me. There was it was four years of doing plays and plays and plays and you know acting classes, and it really sort of embedded this thing in me. I was I was having a great great time, and then I got a scholarship to go to uh, to get an MFA from Cornell. Oh. And spent two years studying act, just studying acting at Cornell, and they had a they had a terrific MFA program. So I did that. And, and then I, I was like, I'm working my way closer and closer to New York City right. from Buffalo. And, uh, and the next stop was New York. Well, I did some regional theater, but then I, I, uh, I ended up in New York City. Um, you know, the Shakespeare Festival. And finally, after 10 years or 11 years in New York, I met my wife. Um, lived in the East Village for 10, 11 years, and then okay. a year and a half on Broadway in Biloxi Blues. And then I did my first movie. So it took me a long time to get right. to Hollywood. Yeah. But, but I don't regret any of it because the theater has, the theater has its own rewards, you know? Were, were your parents initially on board with you embarking in this type <laughs> of career? <laughs> My mom was initially on board. My mom thought that's the thought. This is very cool. Right. 
she used to drive me to the Shaw Festival, which is near Buffalo. It's across the, in Canada, at the, right. Niagara-on-the-Lake. And uh, we'd see, watch Paxton Whitehead oh, do yeah. the show, you know, play George Bernard Shaw plays. And uh, she drove me to auditions and drove me to Shakespeare things. She thought, she thought this, was, this was terrific. She took a bus all the way to Boulder, Colorado to see me play Hamlet oh, wow. at the Colorado Shakespeare Festival in 1973. So she was, she was a booster. She was like, yeah. no, he's, he's great at this. And this is really fun to watch him blossom as an actor. My dad, I think my dad was proud of it too, but he was more uh, down to earth about, you know, how the hell do you make money doing that? Right. Um, Being practical about it. Yeah. 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 So he insisted, like, when I went away to Geneseo to, to do all this theater, he, he insisted that I get a teaching degree as well. So I'm a certified speech teacher in New York State. Okay. Now I could if this acting thing goes tits up, I can, yeah, I can fall back. I can fall back on my teaching degree. Right. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't this, work out. <laughs> if it doesn't work out and right. I, you know, decide I'm, I'm not really an actor at all. No. Uh, just can't I, I, can, <laughs> I can teach it, but yeah, that was the, you know, and he was, he, he was wise to be reluctant about it. It was like, right. This is a this is a terrible way to make a living. Um, most of the people that go into this as a career, I think, don't end up right. Of course, working all the time. Um, and it took me years and years before I was working anywhere near consistently. Right. You know, I did. I said eleven years of theater in New York. I think ten of those years. It was for no money, um, you know, off, off Broadway yeah. and storefront theaters and yada, yada. You got to really, I don't know, you got to be nuts to, to, you have to have to do this, right? you know. Now, you know, being on Broadway, off Broadway, off, off Broadway, and then, you know, theater, I mean, movies, TV, you've done it all. Which one? Do you prefer which one's like more rewarding? Is it the theater because you get the instant gratification because you know right away whether you did a good job or not? <laughs> the theaters, I, I I love the theater. It's it's really hard work, right? It's um, how do I say this? It's terrifying. There's no mm -hmm. second take. There's no safety net. You're out there you know naked every single night um the the challenges are tremendous and the rewards are terrific as well but the when i discovered film there was um it was it was interesting it took me and it took me a couple of movies to to actually get my arms around how to work for a camera, but working for a camera, um, there's a universe of possibilities that open up. It, at first it felt very constricting, you know, you have, to, you have to hit your mark so that you're in focus. You have the second, after they do the master, if you took your hat off on this particular word, you have to take your hat off on that word in every take after that tighter takes, medium shots, close-ups, you have to match. It has to match or they can't cut it together and so on. And, and it all felt very constricting um, until <laughs> I, I sort of, I mastered all the technical shit of, you know, hitting marks without, you know, get, just, you just get good at that. Just, you know, get that crap out of the way. Um, simplify the action so that you can you know you pick up the glass on that line every time um and 
you just kind of make it make those things automatic so that they can always you don't someone's not coming up to you at, at every take and saying ah oh, bill listen you have to you know put your weight on your left foot um but once you once you get your arms around that technical stuff and that becomes automatic there's this universe opens up of possibilities there's an, the, the internal life of the character becomes incredibly free because in a funny way you're it's an every take is an improv um or it, it should feel like an improv you should it should feel like i don't know what the next line is you know i don't i don't know what he's gonna say and so so you can be surprised every time be genuinely surprised every time and every take is different and every take is is honest and works um and I just sort of fell in love with, uh, you know, working to the camera. There's, uh, they're different. They're different. And the rewards are different. I did so many years of theater. I, more people saw the one episode of Hooperman that I did, you right. know, than all the theater put together. Yeah. All the decade of theater that I did, you know, it has a power. Um, if you're, if you're on television in a series, like I did Roswell, you're in people's living rooms every week, right? You're in their house, you're in their bedrooms and their kitchens or wherever they've got televisions. Your, your face is this big on their wall, yeah. you know? Um, and it's a you have a, you start to have a really different relationship with an with audiences because they feel like they know you now, you know they've grown up with you they've you know you've been in their on their TVs their whole life so um, which is, is fun yeah is it like a double edged sword though because like you mentioned like Cooperman you're in one episode of Hooperman but you do all this work like on Broadway you, it's it's a love affair you do it for years but that one maybe three minute scene in hooperman gets more you know publicity it hits more people <laughs> it, i mean it's good that you're getting out there and being seen but is it like kind of like frustrating that way well it's not as rewarding no it's not as rewarding for an a as an actor right and it was a you know even if you're the guest star and you're in every scene on hooperman or CSI or, you know, whatever, Law and Order, or, you know, you're the, you're the villain, you're the bad guy of the, of the week. Right. Um, and you have lots of scenes. They never, you're never gonna get into, um, it's never gonna be as satisfying as, um, you know, studying a studying a, a play for a month and then right. go into previews and then and then doing it live for audiences. There's that that's a very different experience. This thing I did. It's funny, but you asked that because, for example, the Shawshank Redemption took I think eleven weeks to shoot, which is a very long time for right. for a movie. It's usually five, five weeks or six weeks or something, you know. Um, but uh, we had, had a chance, given that much time, to really develop characters, to really sink into these roles in a way that made them come alive. And I think it shows, I, I know it shows in the film, people people responded to it because we were able to bring it. Um, this thing I just did with Karen Allen, it was a short shoot, but there was so much meat on the bones that I think, I think people will have, you'll, I think the response will be, uh, uh, well, um, we'll see what, it, we'll see what the response yeah. is. Right. But, but it's not like, um, it's not like you're the villain in the piece and 
you know, you, your job is to scare people. Yeah. You know, I know it, I sometimes feel like a session play, you know, just, just tell me, just show me what you want and uh, yeah, I'll do it, you know? Right. And I, and I, and I don't have a great deal else invested in the performance. Yeah. The thing I did with Karen Allen, I had a lot invested in that performance. I yeah. felt very, I felt very invested. Yeah. Um, when did you have to stop auditioning for roles? Because I mean, so many TV guests, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure by now people know what they're going to get with you. So, like, how how do you still have to go in there and read for people, or just like just give me Bill and he, he can do a great job? No, they. I still. <clears throat> I still auditioned, um, not all the time. I didn't. I didn't audition for Salem's Lot or, or the thing with Karen Allen. Um, people offer me stuff now, but they. I do occasionally audition if it's something that. Um, it's, I think it's especially with the, you know younger directors they want to know if or it's or it's something they've never seen me do um you know i've, I've never seen him play a kindergarten teacher i'd right. love to hear what he i'd love to hear what he would do with these words you know um i did a i did a movie with uh kevin costner and woody harrelson um about bonnie and clyde um forget what the what was the name of it um the huntsman i think anyway and i played clyde's father and the way the auditions work these days for me is i put myself on tape if um you know if that's if it's really necessary and they want to see you know what would what would sadler do with this role and you know, then I'll sit at my kitchen table and put myself, put myself right. on tape and send it off to my agent and they'll, you know, that's the extent of the auditioning these days. Right. And you mentioned that now you have the technology to do that. You can actually get, yeah. the, you know, the read <laughs> right in the, in the audition, right? It's better. It. Right. I can do it. I can do it over and over and over. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I understand, yeah. I actually understand when, when directors, they've got a lot riding on this, you know, right. you cast, you cast the wrong person in this role and you're stuck, you know, they just, they, they don't get it. They don't, something doesn't click in the scenes or, and they, there's a lot of money riding on these movies. There's a lot of directors have spent years in development trying to get this project up and going. So I understand they want to see, you know, I know he's, I know who he is. I've seen everything he's done. I want, I'd, I would really love to see, you know, I'd love to hear what he sounds like when he says my words, you know, these words. And so I don't take, I used to get angry, you know, why, why the fuck do they need me to audition again? Don't, right. don't they know who I am? Well, yeah, exactly. Haven't they seen me? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, is, it isn't that. Of course they know who I am. It's, it's, uh, I want to see, oh, I'd love to hear him say these words, you know? I mean, like, obviously Frank Darabont knew who you are because he casted you in a few movies after Shawshank. So that, I'm sure that was, that, that must be nice to know that. That's always great, man. That's, I love, I love repeat business when directors that I admire, it's a director named David Nutter. Yeah. Did, I did uh, um, disturbing behavior with him. And then he directed the pilot episode of uh, Roswell. And they, I, I, I always, I always enjoy working with, uh, yeah. you know, it's sort of automatic. I did Walter Hill. I did the first episode of Tales from the Crypt, and then right. he cast me in Trespass. Um, and you just develop, you, you have a relationship. Right. Can, you know, you look at, you're laughing all the time. Yeah. You're, you know, there's, there's very little nerves back and forth between yeah. you. 
if you have a suggestion, you you know, you you sit on the set one day and you say, oh, 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 you know, <laughs> oh, Frank, this would be great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what if I do this? <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't, you know, and he can say, yeah, or yeah. sure, let, yeah. let's, we'll try it that way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, I, I, it's always more fun to work with, you know repeat right. repeat buyers yeah now, a couple years ago i had john kassier on the show who played obviously the crypt keeper from tales tales from the crypt and um i just love that show but i never saw the first episode and i watched it the, the first episode of tales from the crypt oh I yeah never saw it until recently and i saw you know your your episode you know playing miles tabbit who's an executioner and you know the, the story's great you get laid off and then you kind of take justice into your own hands so you're pretty much <laughs> like you were like dexter morgan before dexter became famous you know taking right you know, exactly killing people yeah and you know, ironically you get fried you know spoiler alert um now doing the show like that i mean it had big backers you mentioned walter hill you know uh richard donner i think was executive producer robert Zemeckis. so there's a lot Zemeckis. of yeah a lot of you know joel silver joel silver exactly and you worked with him later so i mean like being the first episode of that was that kind of like a lot of pressure going, you know, kind of starting a, a series. I mean, I know you weren't going to be like, you know, main character in the series, but getting the ball rolling on a series like that. I think it was, I don't know. I don't know how much pressure there was on me. Cause it was, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> they brought, I've told this story before. They brought me in to read for the cop at the end who arrests Niles Talbot. And, right. And I said, what's up with the role of Niles Talbot? And Karen Ray said, oh, they want a star for that. But they, yeah. they finally, they, you know, they, let, they put me on tape and gave me this shot. Um, but it was actually kind of right up my alley because it was the, the character is all these monologues right to the camera. And I had done, you know, years and years and years of theater, including uh, a play called Limbo Tales that was a 45 minute monologue to the straight at the audience. And I won an Obie award for it. It was like, it was like you could have, you couldn't have handed it to somebody who was better equipped to do, to do that, you know? And so, um, and Walter was, you know, Walter just, was fantastic he uh i think he they took a bigger risk <laughs> hiring this completely unknown no. guy right to be the 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 lead in the first episode yeah. um they took a bigger risk than i did i didn't you know it was i think they paid i think they paid me Seventeen hundred dollars or something for the oh, whole wow. week's work. Okay. It was like, you know, <laughs> we we shot it in seven days. It was like, it was got. It was just. Uh, yeah. But Walter was such a. He's such a damn good director. You know, such a steady hand that I couldn't. I I didn't. <laughs> I could always lean on yeah. him. He wasn't gonna let. He wasn't gonna let me get. And he also, he also, I think, loved what I was doing. He liked this character. I would come into work and he'd be sitting there writing uh, monologues. He'd be writing the monologues um, as I came into work. And he'd hand them to me and I'd read it out loud. And he'd say, that's great. 20 minutes later, we're shooting it. Um, So I I always felt like he, he had found a mouthpiece. You know, yeah. if if he was a if he was a puppeteer, he found this fun new puppet who had a great voice, who had a great voice and this sort of wry sense of humor. And Walter would Walter kept writing these little jokes for him to to say. So, no, I didn't. I didn't have time to f- get nervous about. Right. Oh, I'm oh I'm starting a whole series. It, I didn't know that it was going to be such a big deal series. 
HBO wasn't that big a deal. Right, that then, point, yeah. Exactly. It was yeah. like... <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah, no. Was, yeah, and you had, like, really, you know, some really good menacing looks, you know, at the camera while giving your monologue, and with, obviously, Joel Silver producing Die Hard 2. You had even more menacing looks in Die Hard 2. I mean, <laughs> that was legitimately a scary character. So did, did that, I mean... I'm sure that got you your foot in the door to get, you know, to read for that part. Colonel. That was the next, I think that was the next, the next thing that Joel did after the Tales from the Crypt was, I, after Tales from the Crypt, I went away and did, a, I did a, the hotspot with Dennis Hopper. Oh, and Don Johnson. And as that was wrapping up, they were getting ready to do Die Hard 2. And Joel, called my agent and had me come in, meet Bruce Willis in their office mm. and Joel and Bruce. And I think, I don't remember whether I read for him or we, or it was really just mm. a meeting. I think the, I think the Walter Hill tales from the crypt was the best audition I, I could have given, you know, it was like, they looked at that and said, Oh shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 this guy, he, he could be a scary dude. Um, and so that, that happened. And then one of the, one of the writers on Tales from the Crypt was Frank Darabont. Okay. He came up to me on the set and said, I'm going to do this uh, movie called Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. So it just kicked, all kinds of doors open for me right and just just for that one little hbo show <laughs> yeah 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 right i yeah. that i almost didn't audition for because wow. you know they had yeah. me for the cop right no that's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> right and obviously you had one of the best introductions of any character in any movie in die hard 2 uh the, the whole um i cheese you know scene in, in your birthday suit so uh <laughs> What was that? Was that like scripted? Was that something that you wanted to do? Did uh, Remy Harlan come to you? How, how did that come about? That wasn't in. It actually wasn't in the script. When um, <laughs> in the script, I think it just said uh, a half-naked man right. in a hotel room doing tai chi, and I thought, oh well, he's you know wearing shorts or you know sweatpants or something. He's doing tai chi. And we got to the costume fitting and Rennie Harlan was there and the costumer. And uh, I tried on everything that he wears, the, you know, the uniform and the this and the that. And, and we got all finished. And I said, what's he, how about that ho hotel room scene? What's he wearing in that? And the two of them looked at each other and, and Rennie, and Rennie got all quiet. And then he said, He's from Finland, Rennie Harland. And yeah. he said, Bill, actually, I was thinking you would be nude. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought about it for a minute. <clears throat> and uh, I said, well, if you get me a, into a gym and get me a trainer and push that scene off to the end of the movie, um, I'll do it for you. Right. Which if I were going to do it, you know, I could, I should have called my agent and they could have said, no, he needs another $50,000 for exactly. that. You know, <laughs> these, these days they would pay much, you know, you'd have to pay for that right. extra little, that yeah. extra bit of flesh. But um, I didn't know. Yeah. So, and I thought it was, and I thought it would be, a, um, I, I, I actually thought, as for an introduction to the character for the audience to see someone um, I, I thought it would be jarring. I thought it would be shocking. You know, it's like, you don't know who this guy is, but you sure as hell don't want to mess with him. You know, he's nuts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, whatever he's up to, you don't want any part of can't be good. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, because yeah. it was just weird. It was just weird enough that I, I thought it was a great introduction for the character. Yeah. How how many stunts did you do on your own in that movie? Stunts? Yeah. I did. I they had a great team of stunt guys. Um, I mean, I, I I drove. I did some of the driving of the snowmobile. Uh, snowmobile, but they. Um, no, I take it back. I didn't do that. Was Walt? That was Monty Cox on the snowmobile. Um, I think I I drove it, but only slowly and not, you know, not in the racing scenes or the jumping it or any of that stuff. The fact is that those guys, those stunt puppies, are phenomenal. Right. They they make you look so good. There's a guy named Randy Hall did all of the kickboxing on the wing of the plane with okay. Bruce Willis. So if you're watching the movie and you can see Bruce's face right. and, and my back, it's probably Randy Hall's back right. as he's kicking the shit right. out of Bruce Willis <laughs> without actually hitting him in the face with his boot. Right. Um, they, they just... Randy, I mean, Randy was just, you know, he, he'd been doing, he'd been doing Tai Chi and Kung Fu. And so all of that stuff, since he was three, okay. he was in phenomenal shape and, you know, he just made you look like such a complete badass. Um, I did a lot of it. I did a lot of the fight when it was on me. Right. I trained, yeah. I trained from two or three months with Benny Akitas, Benny, the jet kickboxing champion of the world. But what you can learn in three months is, is what you can learn in three months. Right. Um, if you want it to look like, you know, Chuck Norris or, right. or, or Bruce Lee, yeah. you better hire someone who's been doing this for decades. Exactly. Right. And they, and they did, you know, yeah. and, it's, and it's seamless. You can't tell. Right. For years, people thought I was this, you know, yeah. complete. Right badass yeah <laughs> right now how, how many uh tries did it have to go through to get the um grenade into the the plane you, th you know throwing the grenade into play because you know, obviously in the movie you, you throw it once but <laughs> you throw it once they yeah. and then they cut to the inside of the yeah <laughs> right there's like, no one missed <laughs> no you know what the other the other the other funny thing that happened in that exact scene was um um, I had, I had spent my entire childhood run, diving, running around the barn with this, my BB gun and making the shooting sounds with my mouth. Okay. Right. Um, cause BB guns, so they go, you know, that's it. Yeah. So I was, <laughs> and, um, we got, and we got to that scene and we're all standing there with automatic weapons and Blanks. We're firing real rounds, but they're blanks, right? right? So there's flame. There's the brass is coming out. There's smoke. It's deafening. It's yeah. so loud, right? Bang, 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 and the room is filled with smoke, and it's raining this hot brass down. They did the first take, and Tim Cooney, the sound recorder the sound guy came over to me on the set and he took me aside and he said, Bill, you don't have to make that sound anymore with your mouth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I said, thanks, Tim. Right. <laughs> because apparently I was, yeah, I was mic, you know, and they, uh, he had heard me going. <laughs> right whatever i was doing that brings you back to the childhood right <laughs> and it, yeah, yeah yeah i still i still do that it's hard right. to it's hard not to even in yeah. fist fights you go, boom, oh, right. tish, boom, pow, boom. yeah when you did um star trek deep space nine did you kind of uh talk to kamini who was the uh airline pilot 
pilot in the one plane that you crashed you kind of joke about that scene <laughs> no we did no. we said hi to each we right. said hi to each yeah that was that was a fun little i like the i love the character i love the way the character again it was the way the character was introduced the first time you see him he's sitting yeah. there watching dr bashir sleep right. yeah and it was like the creepiest thing i could imagine like you wake up and there's someone sitting there watching you sleep. And I thought that's a, I could do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's creepy. Yeah. Well, were you a Star Trek fan before getting the role? Um, yeah, I was, mm-hmm. I wasn't a deep space nine fan, but I was mm-hmm. a Star Trek fan and that right. was uh, close enough. You know? Yeah. I was re- I was really that was one of those things where they just called up and said would he like would he be interested in doing it and um, I, absolutely I just said yes of course I would right because because the the whole Star Trek universe had been part of it was this wonderful important part of of uh, you know the the fabric of America it was like. Mm-hmm. You know, they named they named spaceships at NASA got named for the Enterprise. And, right. You yeah. know, it was such an important piece of American folklore that uh, I was happy to do it. I really was. And I only did three episodes. Right. Um, I would I would love to have done more. But I've been shocked ever since then, the, the people that, the Trekkies, the folks yeah. that, that are deeply into the Star Trek universe, holy cow, did they know those char- that character and those yeah. episodes better than I do, right. you know? Yeah. The one thing about like Deep Space Nine, it was more of like an arc you know, each season had their own arc continuing, whereas the other shows is more episodic. So every episode was his own, you know, self-contained story. So it kind of right. made it a little, a little more different Star Trek wise. And then also being on a space station, not really exploring. So it was a different take for Star Trek. And I think it worked. I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. And it, you know, it all became part of my history. Yeah. Talk about one show. I don't know how often you get asked about, which I absolutely loved and got canceled way too soon. Was Wonderfalls? I absolutely loved. That oh, show. dude. Yeah. Oh, I, that was so good. Yeah. I think it was just kind of ahead of its time. I guess. I agree. Yeah. You know, it dealt it dealt with gays, um, lesbian and gay issues, and yeah. But it was fun. It was funny and it was whimsical and. Yeah. It was so smart. Um, I loved doing that. I had to convince them that I could be funny. Really? You know? Yeah. Yeah. They, um, it's been, well, I'm, I'm always having to convince people that I can be funny because mm-hmm. they, you know, they, oh, shit, right. the guy from Die Hard. Exactly. You know? Scary face. You know? Yeah. Scary dude. Yeah. Um, but, but like I said, I started out doing stand-up comedy, right. and yeah. I'm I'm always happy when I get a chance to bring some funny. Yeah. No, I loved Wonderfalls, and yeah, it's I thought that shame. was yeah. I really did think that was a shame when it was canceled. Yeah, because it probably would have had it been on like either a cable network or one of the streaming sites. I think it would have lasted. It would have found an audience. You know, just. Network TV doesn't really let shows breathe anymore. And it's a shame. I, it, it wasn't, I don't think people, there were streaming sites then. No, no, it, it would have seemed tame these yeah. today. Exactly. You know, yeah. the gay themes were like, really? Every show. That's right. Like, exactly. That, yeah. That's shocking. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just yeah. a bit ahead of time, I think. Right. Yeah, I mean, you were Darren Tyler, your wife was Karen, and Sharon, Aaron, and then Jade. So just kind of like the outcast, yeah. of course. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. It was, a, it was really a brilliant show. But um, I mean, because you'd you figure, I mean, you show your comedy chops a little bit in Bogus Journey. 
Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. So it's oh, yeah. you, you can play some. And that was like right after Die Hard. So it showed it exactly. inside of you. Exactly. Yeah. So that was a well, see, that was that was particularly well suited for me because I could be that big clownish right. sort of Czechoslovakian <laughs> um guy. Right. But he starts out being a yeah. scary dude. Right. Death. <laughs> so so you need you need him at the beginning to be right. the most terrifying thing. Yeah. You know, the stuff of nightmares. Right. Death shows up behind you with the scythe and everything. And then you want you want him to be a frightening figure. And then of course, when he starts losing at the games, he's gets petulant and and you know oh (laughs) he's you know it all starts going tits up and then he wants and then he wants to be part of the band and then he wants the guys to like him and you know um he discovers rock and roll yeah (laughs) i know it's just i had a ball with that character i'm sure i'll i'll be remembered more for that than anything else i've done right and then to, to play him 30 years later had to be a real treat again it was that was yeah. it was great it was really great and 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 it was and it was also it was also fun you put the robes on you put the makeup on and get back into the character mm-hmm. and the character the character was like i had him bottled like i put a cork in it yeah. <laughs> 30 years ago right. and pulled the cork out and he yeah. just came out fully fully grown you know um the the minute we were back together on the set we were back and forth and back and forth and you know it was like we had never like we had never stepped away right was there you think there's talk of making another one no (laughs) a fourth one no right (laughs) i don't think so i I, I haven't heard any such talk. Right. I thought yeah. the third one was a perfect, sort of the perfect finale. Yeah. You see the two boys as very, 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 very old men still yeah. rocking out. Right. It was like a great way to end it. Yeah. Well, they could always have the, you know, their daughters take over, you know. Uh-huh. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if there's money. They were adorable. Made, they, right? was, they were adorable. They were so great to work with. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the daughters were f- phenomenal. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a good time. It was harder. It was not. It was harder for me the second time to do it because, I don't know, in the thirty in the thirty intervening years, yeah. you know, your your legs start to go and your back hurts and your, you know, this and that and right, you get tired easy. Yeah you've been guest starting so much stuff and you know work. can you sitting while watching tv and so one of your shows roles come on can you sit and watch yourself <laughs> I, uh, I i can usually watch yeah yeah i can i can sort of watch myself it's a, it's never it's 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 always a little bit uncomfortable it's like it's sort of like listen you record your voice on a tape recorder and then you yeah. play it back yeah and listen to it and you say i don't i don't recognize that voice that's you know i don't know who that guy is right it's a little it's a little bit like that i watch myself in die hard now which comes on every christmas because it's this great christmas movie it is a Uh, christmas movie (laughs) yeah it's a feel-good christmas movie of course and um but i and I, I remember, I remember what I was thinking when I was shooting that, you know, mm-hmm. that moment or this moment, or um, I can see the gears turning in my head, the actor's gears turning, yeah. uh, which is not always a good thing. I'm, it's hard to be subjective. It's hard not to be. Right. It's hard to be objective about yeah. it and just enjoy it. Right. Um, Shawshank, I can watch now, okay. and well, that's just on every object- day. <laughs> every, um, every day, that's on. And Bill and Ted, I guess. It's, yeah. I, but it's always, but it's always just a little. Yeah. There's always this subjective part of me going, oh, why did, why did I do that? Right. Like, just relax your face, Bill. What right. are you doing? 
Yeah. Oh my God, you're acting. <laughs> What's the most rewarding role you've been in? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I guess I want to, I used to say Shawshank all the time, but it might be this new one that I just did with Karen Allen. Like I say, I've never been asked to play just a yeah. human, just a, just a man who's coming to the end of his ride and with a woman that he's been with for 42 years and loves and sort of deal. It, 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 it may be some of the best. I just came away from it feeling like I had gone to Oz and I walked around in a daze for like a week after I got home. Um, I, I hope it's a good movie because because the work I did in it was, I think, pretty, pretty good. Dif so different from anything else that I've ever been asked to do. Right. You know, um, I could go further. I just and I did. And I I I just filled this character up with me. And um, so maybe that. <laughs> Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, right. maybe yeah. that maybe that's the one I'm the most fond of right now. I don't know. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that. Uh, that. That sounds really good. Now, like when you play, yeah, real quick, you play like a president, like you know, in Iron Man three and like you know the Marvel movies. How, how easy is it just to get like kind of lost in the fact that you're playing a president? <laughs> Does it go to your head a little bit? <laughs> it's a <laughs> It, 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 I've been accused of letting my characters go to my head a little bit. Right. I played Julius. I played Julius Caesar on Broadway with Denzel Washington for six, four months or something. And, and by the end of the run, my wife couldn't stand me. I was, I was, I know I had become, I had become the leader of the free world. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you do. I guess I do kind of take on these yeah. characters. It's hard not to let them seep into your, the rest of your life. Presidents. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But um, fun yeah. fact. Yeah. When I was on, on Iron Man three, when I would come onto the sound stage to film, I'd come out of my trailer dressed, ready to shoot and then walk to the soundstage and come on, the crew would hum, hail to the chief, <laughs> <laughs> which was absolutely fabulous. It was like right. the coolest thing in the world. It was like the crew went, That's great. <laughs> made, me, great. made me very happy. Right, yeah. I just sort of wanted to think, I took... I had a, a first date when I was younger and we went to the movies and we saw Rush. So it was, it was a very weird first oh, date, dude. you know, to, to go see a very disturbing movie, very good movie, you know, with uh, Jason Patrick and Jennifer Jason Lee. And you, you know, played a uh, not so nice guy in, in that movie, but um, what was your experience like with that movie? I was, I shot for two days. Okay. They filmed for, they filmed for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks down in Houston, around Texas, I think. And um, they flew me in to play this character, this drug dealer, and put tattoos. I met with the makeup people and they put tattoos all over me and I had to wear these bib overalls so you could see my butt like through right. the, side of the, the side of the thing. And I guess I, I don't know. I was feeling kind of, it's a very strange thing to come on to a movie when that's already been filming for a month right. and everybody, everybody's, everybody else has been in the trenches with each other. You know, they're a family now. They're all, they're a, they're a unit and it's, it, and it's difficult for an actor to just jump in. You feel like you're jumping on a bus that's, you know, racing down the highway already. Um, and my experience, and I, and I had to be this asshole to Jennifer Jason Lee. And I right. love Jennifer. I mean, she's, she's adorable. 
and you know such a phenomenal actress and i think she sensed it i was nervous i was you know i'm supposed to be the one who's frightening her right she she need, she needs me she needed me to be terrifying and creepy and um, so um I was trying to be terrifying and creepy, but she, uh, she sort of took me aside and said, you know, cause I was having, I was having trouble with uh, being physical with her, grabbing okay. her, grabbing her and kissing her right. is, a, it's such a violation. I mean, I mean, it's a genuine physical violation of somebody that I don't, I, I'd never met her before, you know, I that I'd never met her before that moment, before that scene. And uh, and we stepped aside. We stepped away from the set for a second, and talked about it for a second. And she said, "It's you know, it's fine. We can you know, just go for it. I'm I'm so happy you're here on this shoot. Just go for it. You right. know, don't don't worry about it. I'm fine with it. And we needed. I needed permission. I needed permission from her." to get to to be that physical because i've seen it i've seen it blow up in actors faces before on the that first episode of tales from the crypt there was a an actress freaked out because um because of a kiss because they hadn't they hadn't decided between the two of them how far the kiss was going to go what kind of a kiss mm -hmm. Is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I do that? Can I touch you here? And, and you know, so in, in front of the camera, <laughs> with all of the pressure already on them, it, it was too much. And so anyway, Jennifer Jason Lee made it all terrific. And, you know, we went back inside, did the scene, and it was like, come here, you knucklehead. <laughs> right. I, you know, I grabbed her and I was playful and it was great and we got it and um I moved on. But I learned a great lesson from her about that because I didn't know how to I didn't know how to get past it. I had to I had to be this monster to her. And I didn't I didn't know enough to I didn't know enough to do that, what she did, you know, step aside and and Talk about it for a second. Talk about the, the contract. We're, we're going to make a, I'll make, let's make a deal. You know, how far, how far can I go? How far, how far is okay? Um, you know. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that was the, that was my experience on, and it turned out great. The scene looks, you know, I look like a monster. Right. Cheesy, cheesy ass monster. <laughs> The other thing they said, the other thing that happened on the scene was I had to dish out like a hundred pills and they just had this big bowl of pills. And the first take I'm thinking, well, they, they can't possibly want me to count out a hundred pills. Right. Right. We don't have time in the scene for that. Yeah. So I just took a handful I took a fistful of them and I weighed them in my hand and I went, you want to come? And it was like, no, 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 yeah. no, I'm good. And I put them in the, and that was, but that was my solution to the problem. It was right. like, he's so good. He's so good at this. You know, that's a hundred, give or take exactly. one, you know? <laughs> right. Um and and of course she doesn't want to count them. She's like, get, get me the fuck out of here. That was anyway, yeah. Yeah. Turned out to be a turned out to be a very cool scene. Um, yeah. No, it's a really powerful movie. A really underrated movie. And sweet. Yeah. But Bill, this was fantastic. I really appreciate your time today and good luck. Uh your future roles and look forward to Salem's Lot and the movie with Karen Allen. And thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see how that one comes out as well.
And a special thanks to Bill for joining me today. I have to get him on again because he's amazing and there's still so many stories to share. But you can follow him on Twitter at WM underscore Sadler. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first Noel 19 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, wherever you can listen to a podcast. A new episode comes in every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.